live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with last night's Laker-Grizz matchup? That was something. You know, when John Morant was ruled out for Game 2 against the Lakers yesterday, you know exactly how Car Flag Nation reacted. You know, they went right to their garage to make sure that all of their car flags were situated and in place. Then, you know, they ran right out and they bought some brand new car flags. You know, Laker fan was hyped. You know, Laker fan was falling all over themselves to declare the series already over. I mean, after all, they had already ripped the home court. They knew John Morant was not going to go in game two. Hell, not only was that series over, Laker fan thought the entire postseason was over. Laker fan was ready to claim the Larry O right on the spot. Am I right? Yeah, well, my response to that is... Laker fan, Laker fan, Laker fan. Not a good call. The Lake Show did have a chance, in fact, to put the Grizz in a massive hole last night without their superstar. Except the Lake Show did not show up, and the Brick Show did. Meanwhile, Memphis looked just fine. In fact, they looked better than fine. They didn't have jaw, and they didn't need jaw. In fact, somehow, they were just fine without him. In fact, that's not even a take. That's a fact. One thing for myopic, front-running Laker fan not to know this, but how does Laker player and Laker coaching staff not know this? Anyone and everyone who matters, the people who know, know. They know the Grizz are good with John Morant, and they know the Grizz are good without John Morant. This is not a secret. Everybody knows this. Everybody who matters except the Lakers, and now they do. But what they should have known was that the Grizz, without John Morant, are 33-17 and over the past two seasons. And while it sounds asinine to suggest that they're better without Morant than they are with him, they sure as hell don't seem to miss him when he's not there. And they didn't last night. Did the Lakers really think that the Grizz were just going to lie down without John Morant? It sure seems like they did, because in no way did they match Memphis's intensity, aggression, energy, or sense of urgency. The Lakers should have known, but they didn't. No names mentioned. Street clothes. Street clothes Davis. The artist, formerly known as Anthony Davis, was in the house last night. AD, what's good, baby? AD, what's good, baby? What's good, AD? AD, what's good, baby? What's good? Man, I love this cat. I really do love this cat. The ultimate give me an A or give me an F dude. When he's right and he gives you that A, this guy's unstoppable. But when he's wrong, like he was last night, he gives you an F. And he acts like he gets run over by a Brinks truck upon incidental contact. And I'm not going to lie. I love both versions of this guy. AD, what's good, baby? What's good, AD? I love both versions of this dude. And already, two games in, we've already gotten the full AD experience. What's good, baby? I've seen this movie before, and I love this movie. I can't get enough of it. Though I'm pretty sure I've never seen The Brow sustain an injury to The Brow before. That's a new one. But him going down like he took a shotgun blast 
while going going up for a ball never gets old. I've seen that before, and I never get tired of that. Never, ever gets old. Maybe for Laker fan or Laker teammate, but not talk show host. Not this guy. But credit for AD. Credit to AD for rejoining that fight. Although he probably shouldn't have. Probably should have just stayed down and called it a night. Because no sooner than he returned, dude got swatted at the rim by a dude more than a half a foot shorter than him, John Conchar. You figured you could make a name for yourself in the playoffs by playing big time and scoring. Now he's getting to his mid range. Ian Eagle, what an amazing line. Ian, he is such a legend. He met him at the Brow Apex. He met him at the Brow Apex. That is an incredible line. An incredible line and such a horrible look for the Brow. Taking nothing away from Conchar, but that can't happen. And it did. And it can only happen to Anthony Davis. Find me one other seven-foot Hall of Famer who gets owned that badly. Attacking the rim by a guy half his size. Such a horrible look, but so AD. The ultimate A or F-er. And that was an F all the way around for Davis. That rejection right there pretty much summed up his entire night. 4 of 14 for the game, 1 of 9 in the first half, making it the worst field goal percentage half of his playoff career. F. F. Again, this dude is either unstoppable or he makes the Lakers look like they're the ones to beat. Or... He's going down like he got hit by a tank while going straight up for a contested ball. Never anything in between. Always the full 80 experience. I love it. Now, if that in and of itself was all we got last night, that would be a big win for team content. If that was all we were treated to last night, that is such a good, good night and such a win for team content. Even though I bet the Lakers despite knowing that it was a total trap and I got burned because it was, because AD played like crap and he wasn't the only one. However, what made last night so much fun and last night such a blast is not only did we get the full AD experience, we were also treated to the Dylan Brooks experience. Segway, moving on. This dude was only 5 of 14 himself, but that did not stop him from jawing with the GM all game. And then after the game, he took the trolling to an entirely new level. He had a full heel turn moment. Essentially, Dylan Brooks turned into villain Brooks. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess what, what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. Yo! VB, what's good, baby? AD, what's good, VB, baby? what's good, baby? AD, what's Dylan good, Brooks, baby? what's good, baby? AD, what's good, 
Sounds like VB. What's good, baby? VB, ready for smack off season. Holy crap, dude. That was incredible. The disrespect, the brass set on this dude. I mean, that's even beyond smack talk. That's, well, crazy talk, which makes it awesome talk. Quote, I don't care. He's old. I poke bears. I don't respect no one till they come and give me 40. I don't care. He's old. <laughs> that's not me laughing. That's some reporter standing nearby. I don't care. He's old. I mean, I would have laughed. It's funny. I don't care. He's old. He's not wrong. He is. You don't poke bears, my dude. You poke goats. Talk about swinging out of your weight class. Talk about above your pay grade. I mean, I don't know. Say what you want about LeCap. You might think that he's super cringe, super bag. You might say that he ruined the greatest movie franchise of all time. That's true. But he has been on top of the basketball world for two full decades. He does have four rings. He does have four MVPs. He does have four final MVPs. But despite that resume, that amazing resume, he may even be the GOAT, maybe. But despite all that, there's still one thing that he has not accomplished. It seems like he's accomplished everything there is to accomplish in the game, except for one thing. That's earning villain Brooks's respect. VB, what's good, baby? What's good? AD, what's good, baby? Straight hilarity. I mean, I love it. And he's not wrong. I mean, dude is old. Except he's still dominant. He's dominant, but he is old. He's old, and Brooks wishes that he was going up against the Heat and Cavs version of LaCap. Not the 38-year-old version. I mean, he's doing this, dude. He's doing this dude like he's Willie Mays stumbling around in center field for the Mets at the end of his career. I mean, the dude does have more points than freaking Kareem. But that's still not enough. Not for Villain Brooks. He's got more points than Kareem, but Villain Brooks needs to see 40 more before even acknowledging that the guy exists, which is awesome. Even better because it's not like the villain is exactly cooking himself in this series. He's not. He's 10 of 27. And that's the thing, right? It's hilarious. It's hilarious and it's entertaining as hell. And Brooks is saying that. I mean, he's saying, this is who I am. This is what I do. I poke the bear. I poke bears. Hell, I don't poke bears. I cold cock bears. Hey, great, dude. Awesome. That's who you are. Great. But now that you've made damn sure that everybody knows exactly who you are, you better go out and back it up. You can't make that much noise, as great as it is. I love it. I love it. I'm glad you did. But you can't make that much noise and then go out and lose this series. Because then you're an all-time bag, and everybody will know that too. Back it up, and then you're that guy. But if you have that old man chew you up and spit you out, then you're a first ballot Hall of Fame bag. Again, don't get it twisted. This guy popping off made a good series a great series. However, he is messing around and begging to find out. And he better hope that his mouth is not writing checks that his game can't cover. And poking that old goat gets he and his teammates going instead of old man LaCap. I don't care. He's old. <laughs> I don't care, man. He's old. He's not wrong. He is old. But he's still dominant. And he's still dangerous. 
you got to respect it. I'll tell you who would like that. You know who would respect that? Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson would be all about that effort from Dylan. Maybe Dylan is going to wait for game three before he blows in LeBron's ear. The only way this game could have been more perfect for Memphis is after Conchar met AD at the Brow Apex. Good job, Ian. What a great line. One, one of the best lines ever. He met him at the Brow Apex is really legendary. It's brilliant. It's one of the all-time great play-by-play lines ever. It just, it is. He met him at the Brown Apex. The only thing would have been better is if Conchar came at the Brown Apex, Brow, and then ran back down the court screaming like Austin Reeves, I'm him! I'm him! I'm him! I'm him! That would have been even better because he would have been him. I'm surprised AD could even feel his arms after getting conchard. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. He is Max Duggan. He joins us via Zoom. Max, it is great to have you on the show. How are you, Max? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. I'm great, in fact. So we're a week out from the draft. Can you describe what the grind has been like for you personally since the national championship game? And how much better do you think you are from then until now because of that work? Yeah, you know, the it's been a little bit of a different um, preparation period than, you know, normal I guess football, you know, usually you're in college, you have spring workouts with the team, things of that sort, but now you're just, uh, you know, most of the time by yourself with a, a group of guys just working out, but it's been fun going through, you know, all-star games, combine, pro day, things of that sort. And, you know, I, I think it's really helped me to, you know, really specify my development and things that I need to work on that are, you know, towards me and, and things that are specific towards me. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I'll double back to that. We could talk about what you're working on and where you want to improve, but just kind of a general take. I'm kind of blown away by the way you carry yourself in the sense that I know you don't take any of this for granted, but you do a really good job of taking it all in stride. For instance, you may not have started the season as the guy, but you did end the season by leading your team to the national title game, finishing as the runner-up to the Heisman Trophy winner, and you put up enormous numbers, and you are taking it all in stride. I'm curious, as you look back on that season, what kind of thoughts do you have? Yeah, you know, I, I think we had a great year, and, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of great players, great coaching staff, um, to have a year that we had. And, you know, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is just, you know, do your job, go out there, you know, whatever role that is, you know, maybe it's not something that you enjoy, but I think being the best teammate, best leader that you can be out there. Um, you know, I'm in a, you know, a great spot right now. I'm really grateful to be in this position. And there's been a lot of people in my circle and, and behind me that really supported me. Hey, listen, Max, you know this. I think you figured this out already. You just said it. You know, there might be parts of the job you don't enjoy, but do your job, do your job. You seem like a guy that really embraces the grind, maybe even loves the grind. What's a part of the job that you don't enjoy? Um, you know, I guess throughout college football is waking up on Sunday mornings, um, heading into the training room, kind of beat up. That was, that was one of the days, um, you know, maybe didn't enjoy it too much, but, um, 
I grew up with, you know, my dad was a high school football coach for, for 30 years. So I've been in the football family and it's just something that was part of my life. I enjoy, enjoy the work, enjoy the grind. And uh, it's been fun to go through this, you know, entire experience. I respect that answer of Max Duggan joining us. You know, your dad was a coach, so you're a coach's kid, but you never had that personal coach, that personal quarterback coach, which I bring up because you are working with somebody that I hold in really, really high regard. He lives not that far from where I'm broadcasting from, and that's Jordan Palmer. Why did you decide to entrust your pre-draft work to him, and what makes him so good at what he does? Yeah, and I never really had a a, a private quarterback coach or, or things of that sort that I went throughout college, but um, I knew Jordan uh, back in high school throughout the, the Elite 11 process and got to know him a little bit, reached out to him. He, he had a, a good relationship with, with Coach Dykes and Coach Riley, um, coaches at the time here at TCU. And um, a lot of the things that he's preached, and, you know, I've read stuff and watched stuff about him, the his fundamentals and – his philosophy on quarterback play and, and using the ground and things of that sort. But it's been a lot of fun to work with Jordan and also Mike White that's out there working with him. And I mean, they're so smart. They're great people to be around and they've really improved me of, of, you know, the physical work of me being a quarterback as well as the, the mental capacity it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Max, I got to say that I came back from the Super Bowl and Jordan and I ended up on the same plane together and we sat next to each other. And again, I know him a little bit, but I had never done this. He broke out his iPad and gave me kind of a little run through, a little lesson. Like he is so technical about what he does, man. He is so cerebral. He is so sharp. That aside, I'm curious, like, do you work on the mental aspect of the position and the game with him? What does he talk about as it relates to the mental approach? Yeah, I think, yeah, it is kind of two parts of the the mental approach of being an NFL quarterback I think obviously the on the board stuff you know on the field stuff whether it's protection schemes coverages things of that sort of of that we're really honing in on and understanding the whys and, and behind on on what people are trying to do against us what we're trying to do against them and I think the great thing about Jordan and what he introduced um to our draft class and he's been doing it for a bunch of years is finding out who you are your purpose um the why behind you that really makes you know the dude in you um, find out the man you are that, you know, leads to how you play on the field and, you know, makes you a leader of a franchise. Good line. I like that. The dude in you and now it translates to the man you want to be on and off the field. We're talking to Max Duggan. So Max, your TCU pro day attracted a large contingency of pro scouts, personnel types, a lot of really good players that day. You were throwing to your teammate, Quentin Johnson, who is projected as a first round pick. How much better did throwing to this guy make you as a player? And then what kind of player will a team that drafts him get? Yeah, I mean, when you get to throw a guy like Q, it makes, uh, you know, the guy throwing the ball probably look a little bit better. Um, he bails you out a lot, but, I mean, Q is an absolute stud. Um, I think everybody knows that. We know that. I know that. I mean, obviously, he's 6'4", he's a vertical threat, can run down the field, uh, make big plays on goes, fades, posts, things of that sort. But, I mean, he's super agile for for being how big he is, you know, underneath routes, whether it's hooks, curls, speed outs, slants, things of that sort. He makes guys miss, but – um, I mean, he showed up to work every single day, never complained, loved to practice, loved to work. And, Matt, you know, Max, your personal journey really is something else. And if you can indulge me for a minute, because I'm not sure everybody knows this story. You had an EKG test before the 2020 season. For those who don't know, what did that test reveal? Because this is a big part of your journey. 
Yeah. So I ended up testing positive and then, um, or testing positive for COVID and the NCA made you go through all these heart screenings in order to come back to play. And I found out through the EKG that a heart abnormality, um, called Wolf Parkinson white syndrome that I've had since birth, um, just found out of it because of, um, the EKG. And it just meant that I had a, a rapid heartbeat, my heartbeat, um, you know, extremely fast. I got up to 269 beats per minute when I was doing a test, but yeah, it was scary in the moment, you know, when you find out you have um, a heart issue. Um, and you go in and I had a nine hour heart procedure, got it all fixed. Two days later, I had a blood clot because of the surgery, um, ended up getting back for the first game of the season, but it was scary in that moment, but really relied on the people that are in my corner and, and my circle that helped me get through it. And, you know, I'm just grateful to, to be where I'm at today. All right. So I bring that up because of that. And I also bring that up because you're right. You got through the procedure and then you come back and you play, you start every game in the 2020 season, you lose your starting job after eight games, the following season, and then you open up the season as the backup. I bring this up because a lot of guys, because of the transfer portal might say, you know what, I'm not with that. I'm not going to wait on that, but you didn't do that. Why did you stay at TCU? Why did you not hit the portal? You know, I think the first thing is just uh, competition. I love to compete. I think it makes everybody better. Um, and obviously in a competition, there's going to be somebody that loses that. And I didn't want to go anywhere else. I wanted to be there and compete. And also I wanted to be there at TCU. I mean, my best friends are on this team. I've been there um, for three years and started pride. We weren't very good and I felt responsible for that. And I just want to be the best leader. want to be a part of um, our team when we were winning back on top. I want to be a part of TCU and this university because um, that's the place I love and that's the place I want to be at. All right. So in effect, you've answered this next question over the course of the entire interview. But if you were to give your Max Duggan elevator pitch, what is the team that drafts you going to get? You know, I, I think it this point of the process, I think everybody that's going in, everybody can run, everybody can throw, everybody's athletic. But I think uh, with me, that stands out is just I'm going to compete my tail off every single day, whether it's in practice, every rep in the meeting room, in games, working out, things of that sort. I think that's what's really going to carry a lot of um, weight. I think that's what the greats have been doing. And I think um, that's something that, you know, I really pride myself on is just going and compete my tail off, whether I I'm in front or whether I'm behind, whether it's in my favor or not, just go compete your tail off. I like that. One last thought, Max. You said everybody at this point knows. Everybody knows that we can run. Let me ask you about that because you did run. You ran really effectively while in school. 1,800 yards, 28 touchdowns, and obviously not afraid to lower your shoulder, battle for the extra yardage, and take tacklers on if need be. That said, do you feel like even though they know you can run, do you feel like you made an additional statement about your running prowess when you ran that 4 5 at the Combine? Um, you know, I'm not sure. There are some D linemen that are running four fives too. So uh, once he gets to that next level, some guys are going to be uh, um, just as fast, if not faster. But I think, yeah, being able to show that ability that you can run, um, improvise, whether it's QB design runs, scramble drills. But I think having that ability for teams to um, account for that he can use his legs, whether it's third down, things of that sort. But um, I think it's vital. Hey, Max, it's funny and it's not, right? Like bigger, faster, stronger. But we've reached a point now where D linemen are running four fives. I mean, what's that like to play your position, knowing that these dudes are that big, that freaky, that athletic, that fast? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a different world from from back in the day. I know you're seeing DNs that are um, 
you know, running four fives. They're big, they're strong. Um, so you got to understand that you got to be smart. I think you see that with the greats um, at quarterback in the NFL is that they're really, really smart. They're beating you from inside the pocket. And then if they get the ability to, they're going to go make it hurt with their legs. Um, whether it's two man, whether it's third downs, they got to go make a play. But um, yeah, guys are evolving. And it's, it's making our job a little bit harder. Well done, Max. You had a great, great year last year. You had a great college career. And I know you're getting ready for the next thing. And you'll find out in about a week where you're going to end up. Max, really appreciate the visit. Great to have you on the show. Good luck. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. I don't even know why we're still calling it Major League Baseball right now because I think we all know nobody shows up to the park for baseball. We all know what people are really laying down their bucks for, what they're paying for. The umps. It should just be called Major League umps. You know you know how they call the big leagues the show? Well, that's almost right. The big leagues should really be called the ump show. Ask Max Scherzer. Because that dude found out the hard way yesterday. Max may have three Cy Youngs. He might have a ring. He might have over 200 wins. He might have over 3,000 freaking strikeouts. He might be making 43 mil to pitch this season. He might be on his way right to Cooperstown on the first ballot. Actually, there is no might about any of that. That's all true. But... What all that doesn't mean is that anybody showed up to Dodger Stadium to watch him actually pitch. Psst, please. That's not what those fans were there for. Everybody knows that the fans who showed up to Dodger Stadium for Mets v. Dodgers were not there for the Mets or the Dodgers. They showed up to watch Phil Cuzzy do work. Phil and his crew. And boy, did Cuzzy and the crew put on a show. Cuzzy wound up tossing Mad Max in the fourth inning in a really bizarre scene because apparently Max's hands were too sticky for him to continue pitching. Apparently, the dude with over 2,700 innings of experience under his belt still needs a lesson on how to use the rosin bag. Look, I know baseball players cheat. I know they'll find any way to cheat. Believe me, nobody knows this better than me. I get it. But the idea that Max was intentionally cheating right here does not make any sense at all. In this case, I do believe this dude. And not because he swore on his kids that he did nothing wrong. But I got to admit, that is a pretty convincing argument, isn't it? 
What did Phil say after you clearly explained that to him on the field? He said, my hand's too sticky. And I said, I swear on my kid's life, I'm not using anything else. This is sweat and rosin, sweat and rosin. I keep saying it over and over. And they touch my hand, they say it's sticky. And I like, yes, it is because it's sweat and rosin. And they say it's too sticky. It's not, they threw me out because of that. I swear on my kid's life is a pretty wild place to go. I swear on my kid's life. If I'm lying, may lightning strike my kid and kill him. I swear on my kid's life. I'm pretty sure you're not swearing on your kid's life if you know that there's a bottle of bullfrog or a tub of spider attack in your locker. Pretty good reason why we never heard Garrett Cole swear anything on his kids' lives. Although maybe he would have if he could have actually gotten any words to come out of his mouth instead of doing whatever the hell this was. Um, I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know if. Uh, Spit it out, bro. I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest. Um, I mean, I swear on my kid's life. Use your words. There are bruh. customs and practices that have been passed Say down it, bruh. from. Older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And um, I personally believe, you know, I, that I think, uh, I think there are some things US that America, are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that. Tractor. Uh, in terms of the communication between iPhone, our peers and whatnot. Um, power supply. You know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned notice, earlier, anyway, anyway, notice that's not what Max sounded like yesterday. We never heard Cole repeat sweat and rosin, sweat and rosin, sweat and rosin over and over and over again. And it's not just the sweat and rosin or the swearing on his kid's life that's so convincing. It's also his argument that cheating in that particular spot made no sense at all. I'll let Max lay that out, too. And knew I was going to get checked in the fourth. So I'd have to be an absolute idiot to do, try to do anything when I'm coming back out for the fourth. So in, in the, in the, you know, after that third inning, um, I'm in front of the MLB official that's, that's underneath here. I wash my hand with alcohol in front of the official. Um, I then apply a rosin, and then I grab sweat. Um, when I then, I then go back out there, and Phil Cuzzy says that my hand's too sticky. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yes, when you use sweat and rosin, your hand is sticky. But I don't get how I get ejected when I'm, when I'm in front of MLB officials doing exactly, exactly what you want and being deemed my hand's too sticky when I'm using legal substance. I do not understand that. Clearly. So just to recap, he was checked and made to clean his hands in the second. Then he had to swap out his glove for a new glove in the third. So what he's saying is, obviously, he knew another check was coming in the fourth. Why would he take that moment to load up on something illegal? He's right. That makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. Max did not just get run from that game either. Tossing him from that game comes with a mandatory 10-game suspension. So he's going to end up missing two more starts because of this. All because Phil Cuzzy says they were the stickiest hands he's ever inspected since he started inspecting hands. And that's really what he said. It's also true that Cuzzy is the only ump that has ever ejected a pitcher for this reason. And now he's done it three times. Scott Foster can't believe this dude's act. Strange, right? 
until you realize that it is all about the show, the ump show. You know, the thing that the customers paid for. They paid to see Blue run that future Hall of Famer right the hell out the game. And the ump show delivered like the ump show always does. They had to start opening up ump merch stands at the stadium. You know, so you can grab your ump jersey that you can wear at the park or even around town. They could sell ump foam fingers where instead of the finger pointing for a number one, it's a fist with a thumb sticking out. You know, like an ump's hand looks like when he's tossing a Hall of Famer for no reason at all, for some nonsense. They could even sell officially licensed ump gear. Who wouldn't want to sit in the ballpark on a hot summer day with an officially licensed ump show chest protector? And don't forget about the ump face mask. Hey, Bob Manford, you taking notes. This is all gold. I'm printing money for you, Bobby. You want to make more money? Never mind rushing to sell more beer in the eighth inning. Sell ump merch in the late innings, my dude. In fact, do it all game long. You're welcome, Bobby. You're welcome. Because he needs to get on the phone with Manford. Like, Rob already banned the shift. He should go ahead and ban the sweat. It'll make Cuzzy and the rest of the ump job, ump show, so much easier. They'll have more time to enforce the pitch clock. Hey, yo, Cy Young Award winner, is that sweat? Well, yes, ump, it's hot. Oh, really? All right. All right. In that case, why don't you go cool off in the showers? Because you're out of here. Beat it. Get bent. Get out of here with your sweat. I swear on my kids' life. Those are illegal sweat glands. We banned them years ago. Get the hell out of here. Hit the showers. They're not here to see you. They're here to see me. You know who the hell I am? The cuz. Ump cuz. Sweat and rosin. If you're an ump and we know your name, that's not good. Ump cuz. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. He's Paul's dog. What's up, Paul's dog? Hello, uh, Rim Room. <laughs> the stomp heard around the world. Hmm. Good thing Draymond Groin didn't live up to his moniker. It stomp lower. We'd be calling the other guy DeMontis Sorboners. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about sports. I want to talk about the Frankfurter free-for-all at Phileas Field. Why wasn't I there? Paul! <laughs> Can you imagine the carnage of conies that was? Dogs flying through the air like left the Laguna Beach bulldog in his helicopter. I haven't seen wieners weaponized like that since Brandon Corona put the Canadian bros on his tidy whiteies. 
Does anyone remember Myler and Myler? <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Roar! Kick being smack-off season all damn year. Rough me, rum route. Do it. Do what he said. Wreck him. him. He's right. Pause, dog. And before you start up and get up in here and tell me he's the worst thing that's ever happened to the program, and if you hear him one more time, you'll never listen or watch ever again, I'm going to say thanks for the time, thanks for the memories. He is not the worst thing that ever happened to the program. He's one of the best things that ever happened. If he's the worst thing that ever happened, why do I laugh every single time he calls? He hasn't seen wieners weaponized like that since the two Canadian bros ended up on Brad's tidy whiteies. <laughs> good stuff. It's only good stuff for the dog. I'd give him a pay-per-view, but he is a dog. But probably a dog that could work the remote. I'm sure this guy has a take on the day. Nooch. Nooch, what's going on? Happy 420. Happy 420, Rome. The pimp in the hot box. Oh, man, thank you for this super dank vine. Romy, I've been in preparation for this in a, for a while. Like, I've been roasting nugs and bowls nonstop for the last 16 hours. I think so, though. I'm bad at numbers. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it takes a lot of preparation and, and maintenance to keep this kind of a buzz. Um, Jim, I do have a question, and I'm going to be really blunt about it. How the hell did Ryan and Sacktown ever even make it to the watch list? That dude's smack is like watching an old fat guy try to swim the ocean with an older, fatter guy holding his arms down. Now, I know it's golden ticket season, man, and I would really like to rip one of those harder than my three-foot bong. The smack offs could use some stoner representation, but mostly I want it for that yummy chocolate. That's not really why I called today, Rome. Uh, really, the main reason I'm here is I want to encourage all you non-bakers today to think about your stoner friends. Those dudes with the bloodshot eyes, with the cheap cologne that's covering up the even cheaper weed as they kind of stroll in to work. Now, I am the LeBron of Kron, but I do like to think about my other stoners that are on the come up. So do your work today and think about your stoner friends. Thanks for the Vine Jim. War 420 and War You. Nice job, dude. He, he makes that call every single year on this day and maybe never better than he just made it right there. I love that he wants the golden ticket, not so much to be in the smack off as a stoner representation, but that he wants that chocolate because he's baked. What did he come out on that, Tom? That made it better. That was good. Hey, stoner, call back because you just earned a pay-per-view. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Let's get started. Start with the phones this week. We go to Green Bay. Justin in Green Bay. You're going to set the table for me. Justin, what's your beef? Thanks for taking my call, Rome. My beef is with 
the owner calling me when it's my night behind the bar to tell me his friends are coming in and make sure they're treated well. Hey, how about I treat them like everyone else that comes in here? Because I'm awesome at my job. That's why you're sending them in while I'm working. Thanks, Rome. I'm out. Nice job. Good point. Yeah, he's got a point. That would aggravate me, too. Wait, wait, are you insinuating that I don't treat everybody well? That I don't do my job every single night? 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Oregon, Rich. Good to have you, Rich. What's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. It's going to be short and sweet and to the point. I got a beef with everybody. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I got a beef with everybody. You know what you should do? That's, That's good beef, actually. Hey, Rich, next week you should call up and say, hey, Rome, it's going to be short and sweet. I got to beef with everything and everybody. Yo, Rome, I got to beef. I got to beef with life. Let's go this time to Ed in San Antonio. Ed, I know you have beef. I just don't know who or what it's with. Ed, what's your beef? (laughs) Hey, Jim, thanks. Hey, my beef is, hang on a second. I'm trying to use the phone. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, my beef is when Orenthal, the photographer, took our picture on my ski trip. I was looking at those pictures last week, and I noticed not only were they out of focus, yep, he cut off our heads. Ah. No. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Not a very good car. I think at this point, it's safe to assume that any attempt at an Orenthal joke is going to be epically bad, like Ed. Orenthal, the photographer, cut off their heads. Wow, Ed. 1996 called. 2001 called, Ed. Never call again, Ed. 1-800-636. 8686. Has it already wrecked the call portion? Now let's keep trying. There she is. Kathleen in Omaha. A regular in the beef segment. Kathleen, what's your beef? Motley Crue's song, Black Widow. They say that love and hate is the same. No, it's not. When you love someone, you want to smear chocolate all over their bodies and lick them clean. When you hate someone... You want to rip their spine out, set them on fire, and watch them burn. Motley Crue are wrong. Wow, Kathleen. Pretty dark and pretty thirsty, both. And if the crew is wrong, I don't want to be right. Hey, <laughs> Kathleen. The image of Kathleen smearing chocolate all over anybody. Anyway, anyway, wow. This is a grind. Normally, this is easy. Normally, this segment does itself. We are grinding today. What a weird beef segment already. Let's keep trying. 1-800-636-8686. No cow. Kevin, good to have you. Kevin, what's your beef? My beef is with lying DoorDash customers. So when I get to the door and they answer, I ask the customer, is this $180, is this $3 tip on a $180 uh, price right? Ah, oh. No. You don't like that. Oh, man, why? Like that 
Not a very good call. Alvin says terrible phone. Yeah, I know. But it was going to be a good take. But what good is a good take if nobody can hear it, Rome? Yeah, I know. But I wanted to hear a DoorDash delivery person light some a-hole up for having a $180 bill and a $3 tip. That is bad if that ever happened. Who orders $180 worth of DoorDash food? Where did you order from and for how many people? Was it your Super Bowl party? $3 tip on a $180 bill? Ouch. My man, I'm here for it. I really am. I am here for your beef, but I need to hear your beef to entertain your beef and push your beef out. Let's keep trying. Let's go to Indiana. Jolie. Jolie, what's your beef? Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> what's up? Hi, Pimp. Uh, so my beef is... <laughs> My friend Allison, we go to dance together, and she always forgets the dances on stage. So then we get bad scores at our competitions. Hey, Jolie. Ah, it's so funny. No. Jolie, are you, you high or are you just giggly? Did you just start that phone call by saying, hey, hi, pimp? What, what's the beef? You go to dance competitions with your friend and she forgets the routine and you lose? What? You know what? This beef segment is so bad, it's good. It never not works. You know, I always say that. The great thing about the beef segment is it's the most consistent segment of the week that's not Alvin's week that was, and it always works. Not today it's not, but it's so bad it's good. That was weird. Let's keep trying. I, I don't want to wreck. The beef segment's like the AD of beef segments. Give me an A or give me an F, except they've always been A's. Except today's an F. I like it. What I don't want to do is get this thing back on track by going to the written portion. I want it to be the train wreck that it is. Let's keep taking phone calls. We go to NoCal. Another stop in NoCal, right? Ted in NoCal. Good to have you, Ted. What's your beef? Jimmy, I walk into the sporting goods store. I live in Sacramento, and all I see is Warriors gear. Give me a freaking break. That's kind of weird. Why would there be nothing but Warriors gear in Sacramento when Sacramento is having its best year in a decade and a half? Kind of weird, if true. Like, You know what I need? I need really, really train wreck bad beefs. That's not that. That's just kind of a beef. That's just some angry dude. Normally, I say, have a take, don't suck. Now I'm saying, have no beef and please do suck. Let's try, Sacktown. You know what I wonder? If these are the beefs, Tommy, that made it on air, how bad are the beefs that did not make it on air? I can't even imagine. In fact, those are the ones that should be on the air. Let's try, Sacktown. Why not? Ryan. Oh, here we go. Ryan in Sacktown. Let's not just try Sacktown. Let's try Ryan in Sacktown. Ryan, what's your beef? Jim, this is no laughing matter. My beef is the image of Methleen and her finest moo-moo watching Larry roll around in a blow-up pool of melted chocolate 
before slowly removing her dentures and going Gene Simmons on his flabs of belly. Do you know how bad you have to be for me to sit up here and say, I want really bad beefs? And then you give me what I ask for and you get run? That's how bad you are, Ryan. I, I, I already had the image, Ryan. I said it myself. I don't need an image of Kathleen melting chocolate on the object of her desire and lust and cleaning it off that person. I heard what she said, Ryan. So I don't need you to reset it with your own spin of that object of her desire being Larry and her going Gene Simmons on his flab. That did nothing to make it better. I mean, I know I said I wanted a bad beef. I just didn't want that. And Chuck, you said he had a beef with floss picks. He lied. Let's keep this train wreck moving. Let's go to Corvallis. Gary in Corvallis. Gary, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with Oregon State University and ticket offices like them nationwide who, when the team sucks, they, they give you incentive to buy the tickets. I had basketball tickets on the floor for over 20 years, and then they reconfigured the seats. And then they called me in and they said, we're going to have you come in and pick your new seat. So the day before, they canceled my appointment, said all the seats on the floor were taken, and the best seats we can offer you is in the top nosebleed section of Section 4. And to that, I said, well, what about lower balcony? I mean, I've been buying these seats for over 20 years. I'm grandfathered in. Don't I have more seniority than the people in lower ba balcony? They said the best seats that we can offer you is in the top of Section 4. And so when things are going well, the universities provide all these incentives for people to be donate money and be grandfathered in. And then when the team does well, they figure out ways to get rid of them. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a hey, Gary, call. if that happened to me, I'd be pissed as well. But can you make your point in under five hours? There's no doubt in my mind that if I let him go, he would have gone right through the top of the hour. And I would have missed on my guest. Seems kind of weird, isn't it? That if you were a, a seat season ticket owner for 20 years, would they not go to you first and say, hey, listen, we've reconfigured this thing. It's going to cost you more money, but you have the first look. As opposed to, we don't give a damn what you think, 20-year season ticket holder. We're relevant again. Get your ass up to the upper tier and be happy with it. He didn't sound happy. That, that had to have set the record for the longest beef. That was long. That was like a two-minute beef. Beefs should be short and sweet and nasty. You're bent. This is why you're bent. Get the hell out. Let's go to Nashville. No way in hell I'm going to read a written beef. Not this segment. Maybe after the fact. This is all calls. And they're all pretty terrible. Let's go to Nashville. Will, it's good to have you. Will, what's your beef? <laughs> hey, Remy. Look, as a doctor, here's my beef. I listen, I examine, I test, and then I come back and say, hey, this is what I think we need to do. And patient says, no, I don't think so. 
because of what they read or what their friend told them. It's like me taking my car to a mechanic and he coming out and saying, look, this is what needs to happen for your car. I'm like, no, I think I'm good. Appreciate it. All right, Doc. Doctor of what? That is kind of funny. Yeah, I'm going to go see a doctor. Here's what we found out. Here's what the x-ray says. And here's my diagnosis. Yeah, no, I'm good. Then what are you doing here? Why are you here? 1-800-636-8686. This is a weird beef segment. And weird is good in that case. Here in SoCal, Pomona. Anthony in Pomona. Anthony, good to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Rome. My beef is with Ryan in Sacramento. Again, he calls every week with his weak takes. Now he's picking on an older lady. Come on, man. You can't be talking mess about old ladies. The only reason you're sort of relevant is because the Kings are doing good this year. So enjoy this first round. You better hope that uh, Draymond Green doesn't come back in and do nothing. Well, you you probably would because you guys would have something to celebrate. And my beef is also with Dylan Brooks running around, running his mouth like he's done something. All I see is big baby Davis running around with Pop Smoke's hair. War Kelly Clarkson, and we're getting my permit taken care of right now. Oh, wow. Pomona representing. I hope this segment never ends, honestly. I hope it never ends. It's the beef segment. I'm looking at it. There's teriyaki. There's hot and spicy. There's peppered. I got all four flavors right to my left. All locked up in a plastic tower of beef. If you can't decide which one you like best, try all of them. Comes in a four-ounce bag. Comes in a big-ass bag. Your choice. Best beef jerky ever. I'm not stalling. I'm just talking about how great it is. We've got to walk off on something, Tommy. Let's go to Dan in Houston. Dan, what's your beef? Romy, thanks for the line. What you got? What's up? Mock drafts. One more week. Are you kidding me? Oh, wow. Houston's going to go with the defender now. Oh, great. Every expert knows that. It's factual. The worst. Seven more days of mock drafts. And next Thursday, just get here. My man, well done. I like that. That's funny. Like this guy, Fabian in L.A. You know, you know, you know, you know, Fabian. What's going on? Hey, whiskeys. Oh, Hey, Rome, you caught me off guard, bro. Hey, a merry, happy 420 to you and all the clones. Hey, it's kind of like a tradition. When it's 420, I got to call at least to say hi. So, hi and bye. I love all you guys, man. Got to get my ass back to work. Thanks for that uh, karma. Now I got to get my ass back to work. Talk to you guys later, man. Enjoy the day. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, Fabian. How did I catch you off guard? What do you mean, you know? You know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, Fabian, have I ever not caught you off guard? What do you mean I caught you off guard? You called me. How can I catch you off guard? You called me. Me catching you off guard is calling you at work and you picking up the phone saying, you know, you know, you know. Ah, yeah. Fabes, who called whom? Brian Branch is my guest. Brian, great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you, Brian. Thanks so much. So let me ask you, you're a week out. You've put in a lifetime of work to put yourself in this position to realize a lifetime dream. How does it feel, and what's your mindset now as draft day does approach? Uh, just got down these last, last visits. Um, just right now, I'm ready to hear my name called. Man. And I've just been right now, I've just been working. Uh, so when my name is called, I'm ready to go. 
and I'm I'm blessed to be in this position. All right, so generally, what about the visits? How did they go overall? What was that like? Uh, the visits were, were good, you know. Uh, some, a lot of these places I've never been to before, and just to go to see the different cultures and how, uh, you know, the coaches interact with the team, uh, just the different vibes with each team, uh, I feel like they they were good, all of them. Brian Brands joining us. You know, you mentioned that you just did your last visit, your last few. The last one, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Were the Giants not the last one? You were there yesterday. How did that meeting go from your perspective? Uh, the Giants were good. Uh, you know, my first time going to New York, uh, just seeing the, the culture in New York itself. Um, and then the team, uh, like the facilities, you know, how – just the culture and within the team, uh, I feel like I, I can picture myself there. Uh, you know, I'm my teammate from Alabama, uh, I didn't get to play with him, but it would be huge if I did play with him, uh, Xavier McKinney. You know, he's a great safety, and I feel like I'll learn a lot from him. And uh, just see myself going there or uh, potentially um, is, is huge. Brian Prance joining us. You know, it's really interesting what you said. Like, you've never been in New York. There's certain things, like when you're young, like when you're your age – there are certain places you go for the first time and you wonder what it's like. Like, I remember when I was younger, what it was like the first time I went to Vegas or what it was like the first time <laughs> I went to New Orleans or what it was like the first time I went to New York. Dude, New York can be really overwhelming. I'm curious, football aside, what was it like for you to see that city for the first time? Uh, just the fact that coming from Atlanta, you know, the city, it's huge, but, you know, it's different from New York. Uh, I remember they, they said you can do something every day for a year and you still have stuff to do in New York. Uh, just the fact that the city is that big and the different stuff that you can do um, in that city is just is, is crazy to me. Um, yeah. For sure. You never run out of things to do there. Brian Branch joining us, played his college ball at Alabama. So, Brian, not to get too all nerdy with it, but according to advanced metrics, you posted the lowest missed tackle percentage among all safety prospects in the draft class at only 2%. So that said, how much pride do you take in your ability to consistently and aggressively get guys on the ground? Uh, I take a lot of pride in it. Uh, last year, I, I missed more tackles. Uh, I believed and I did in my career, and I'm, I'm mad at myself for that. And it, the funny thing is, uh, you know, in high school, my my older brother used to get on to me about not being physical enough, and I just I took that, I had a chip on my shoulder ever since he said that. And to see how far I came with it, uh, you know, I, I take huge pride in my tackling. No doubt. So Alabama is obviously a pipeline to the pros. For instance, since 2009, Nick Saban has had a record 41 players selected in the first round, which is an amazing number. Like specifically, how did Alabama and his vaunted process get you ready for the NFL? Uh, just the stuff that he, he's taught me since my freshman year. Uh, he's taught me a lot of stuff on and off the field. And he's been a great mentor and a great coach. And just the fact that every day, you know, I was getting pushed like, I was going to get the best of the best every day. And, you know, they they made me become the best version of myself, I feel like. Uh, and I stepped towards that direction. And just going against them and, and that culture at Alabama, you know, that's a great school. And, I, and I'm very grateful that I went there. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed my three years there. And it's, it's Alabama. For the, we're the standard for the reason. And just my time there, seeing what it takes to be that standard, and uh, what we got to do to 
be that standard. You know, that's that's why Alabama is Alabama. I like that. Brian Prance joining us. You know, to that point, you get to go against the best of the best every single day. I've heard you use the phrase. I like the phrase a lot myself. Iron does sharpen iron. It absolutely does. So how would that apply, for instance, to your having to face the potential number one overall pick in the draft, Bryce Young, every single day in practice? How much better did that make you? A lot better. Uh, I Over my time, I had him and, uh, you know, Mac Jones. And just going against them two guys, I feel like I have set my game up, you know, tremendously. Uh, it makes it it makes the game easier, you know. Uh, when we play another good quarterback, uh, Bryce. And if we can go against Bryce and compete the way we do against Bryce, you know, we're we going to be good. Let me ask you before you go, you're just one of 17 prospects who has been invited by the NFL to attend the draft next week in Kansas City. So that tells you about your prospects and how well you're thought of. I'm curious, who's going to be with you in KC? Uh, my, just my immediate family. Uh, that's going to be with me in uh, Kansas City. You know, the reason I ask, your father Clarence passed away in 2020, so obviously this was not easy on anybody, but especially your mother Sharon. What is she like, and how much of a rock has she been for you in every aspect of your life? Uh, you know, she's been a huge rock. <laughs> uh, she made a lot of sacrifices for me, uh, my, my siblings, you know. She had to take care of four kids by herself, and she had to put her knees down to, you know, make sure we're good. And just the fact that she, I was able to play the two sports that I wanted to play or the variety of sports I wanted to play coming up, you know, growing up. And for her to make that possible, you know, she, she she's my hero. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. That's awesome, dude. Good for you. So what's it mean when you know the sacrifices that she made for you and your siblings? What's it mean to you to know that very shortly you're going to be able to pay that back and take care of her? Uh, it's big. And this is just the beginning, you know. Uh I want to set. I would love to set her up so where she just every day she's just chilling and she's enjoying life now that she can sit back. Yes, sir. Listen, before you go, I love that. In high school, you won the Georgia Iron Man of the Year award for your play on both sides of the ball. Even last year, as you focused primarily on defense, you did house a punt return at Bama last year. Is there any part of you who misses having the chance to consistently get the ball in your hands since you became a defensive star? <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, I think about that often, you know. Uh, honestly, I feel like I'm a better receiver than DB growing up. And just I, I miss, you know, making scoring touchdowns. But it, it is a challenge at defense. You know, I'm challenging myself to make, you know, get the ball back in my hands and score those touchdowns. And I'm, I'm challenging myself to do that. I like it. He's a safety out of Alabama, a 2022 second-team All-Americans, got that natty, and get ready for the upcoming NFL draft where he may, in fact, be. In fact, Brian, leave me with this thought. Are you the best safety in this class coming out? I feel like when, you know, when uh, 10 years from now, you, you will see everybody will. And on that, we start to lose our connection. Listen, Brian, I pre if you can still hear me, I appreciate you. Thank you very much for coming on. Great conversation. Good luck in the draft. And I'll look forward to talking to you once you do get selected. There you go, Albie. He, that, that was not one of those deals where I asked him that question and then he didn't want to answer it. That, that was a connection issue. He answered the question. We just didn't hear it. 
Safety out of Alabama. And that's the music we play because I once had a conversation with Dana White. Brian, are you still there? Wait, my bad. I got you. I got you, Brian. Welcome back. Listen, finish that thought. I said to you, do you think that you are the best safety coming out? You started to answer it, and then you kind of, the connection went out. Oh, uh, do you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, just to answer your question. I, I mean, I feel like I am, and I'm just going to keep proving that. Uh, you know, I feel like the next 10 years, you know, hopefully uh, 10 years from now, um, it's everybody Everybody will see it, and it'll be, it'll be showcased. There you go. That's what I like. I'm glad that we could finish what we started. Brian Branch, my guest. Brian, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. Good luck, and I hope we can do it again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good night now!